0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for results, outcomes, and achievements. On what? Nothing trivial, but our very life, liberty, and property is all at stake here on Wednesday, the 24th of January. And folks, you know, the, the the big narrative in my industry now is shut up, the primary is over. And it, it used to be that was kind of a couple months before a general election. Now we're living in a perpetual state of general elections. So all of life is you have this dramatic moment and there's this ballot box right in front of you. The Dem versus the establishment garbage r daniel you're going to vote for the dem for for the, for the establishment r right right okay that, that that's been my whole life as if there's nothing in between you know like there's no primary there's no down the ballot primary there's no legislative session there's no focusing on the issues there's no using your voice and conservative media and organization to move the individuals to the right and get concessions from them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, it's this or this. It's irrevocable. When when you vote for people, you're not voting for policies because it's not set. Then the people come in and do things. Well, it's not irrevocable that if I vote for this Republican, he has to be horrible. We could make him better while building a grassroots organization for primaries that will both get better people in the future, so we're not stuck with this perpetual lesser of two evils, but also serve as a standing deterrent to the incumbent guys, the incumbent Republicans, to to be conservative. And that's what I want to focus on today, that in fact when you understand the primaries, they're not over with. Yes, in the case of the presidential primary, Donald Trump will get the Republican nomination. But does that mean that we have no work to do other than every day for the next nine and a half months, talk about Trump all day, never try to nudge him to the right, never call out the problems with him to try to get him to actually win an election, and that somehow this dramatic ballot choice of November between Biden and Trump is literally right in front of us this second. And there's nothing else we can do to make him better, make him more electable, make him more conservative, and get other people elected more conservative and dissuade Trump from interfering or downright endorsing against our candidates. So we'll unpack that and more. But first, speaking of false choices, when it comes to your mobile phone service, you don't exactly have this lesser of two evils. You know, are you John McCain or are you Barack Obama? No. You have Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider versus the big three. Um, it's literally all gain and no pain. You get the same major network coverage. Um except here's what you don't have. You don't have funding the Chinese, funding the surveillance state. Instead, they actually, Patriot Mobile gives money to free speech causes, religious freedom, uh, you know, pro-life, Second Amendment causes. They also have a great U.S.-based customer service team. It's always horrible dealing with Verizon and the like. Uh, all their their call service in India is just terrible. You call 972-PATRIOT. To make the switch today, get free activation with offer code CR. You could keep your phone, keep your uh, number, or you could do this online at patriotmobile.com/cr. Again, join me in making the painless switch today. Vote. This is another way, by the way, <laughs> another election you could vote in is is the products and services you use. Patriotmobile.com/cr or call nine seven two Patriot. Remember, free activation with offer code CR, folks. <clears throat> I want to start with Lamentations 340. Jeremiah, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. We need to take a stock. We we can't just move from one day to another, one news cycle to another, one myopic focus on Trump versus the Democrats, but the Democrats, but the Democrats. Let us examine our ways and test them. Let's study. Is what we're doing actually working? What are the results? Where do things stand? Governors, senators, congressmen, legislatures. And then go through the issues. Crime, immigration, energy, you know, all the social issues. Where do things stand? Where in our sphere of influence do we have opportunities that we're missing? to better society on those issues, to make red states red again, to to move legislatures to the right. So when you make that examination, you'll notice, you'll probably observe, much like guy in 157, observe, consider your ways, consider your ways, but you have to first excogitate about your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put in a purse full of holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So you look at the wake of last night, Iowa, New Hampshire, and on the surface, we should be ecstatic. I mean, We are told there's this impervious MAGA anti-establishment movement that is just bulldozing through, and Trump's going to be the nominee, and it's not even close, and it's amazing. And I I would love to take that face value. I, I, I would love to take that face value. It is not easy going against the grain. I would rather go with it. And on the surface, it's very good because, like I said, the voters are voting for roughly what you and I want. That's the good news. They don't want the GOP establishment. So, so you saw last night that despite the fact that Nikki Haley had record turnout of, of you know, liberal voters who weren't Republican, still and, – and this is like the worst state. And with all that and with $40 million, still Trump won – and, and and despite Trump having very little of a ground presence, you know, real campaign, he won by, I guess, like 11, 11 points. It's it's uh, still being counted for some reason, but uh, 11 or so points. So it only gets better from there. He'll win all the southern states, South Carolina and Super Tuesday by, you know, 20 to 40 points. Nikki Haley is crushed even in the most liberal dynamic of the primary. The voters don't want what Nikki Haley is selling. And that's that's really good news. So here's but here's where I differ from my colleagues. Not just on Trump himself. So what I want to say is let's say Trump is 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 Lord Savior, he is his ways are perfect and he's great. Fine. Okay. But here's the problem. If I've said this many times, the worst thing is to get drunk on our own mistakes and our own false information. I would rather either have the ball in the end zone or admit and acknowledge that we don't have the ball in the end zone so we can get it in the end zone and conjure up a plan and examine our ways and test whether what we're doing is working so we can make it work. But the worst thing you can do is think you have the ball in the end zone when you don't, okay, when when you clearly don't, and it needs intervention. And the problem now is the primary is it's the worst possible dynamic because on the one hand, Trump is very strong with about 50 to 60% of the gop base voters, so he's going to look really amazing in a primary. But on the other hand, you continuously seeing there is a real vulnerability, and New Hampshire was kind of a – it kind of showed that general election dynamic, A, to win a general election, and B, even if he somehow by by a miracle did win it, to actually make him govern the way you think he is. I I wish Trump would be everything they make him out to be. I wish. And it's good that voters are voting for that. But now we actually have to make it happen. You have to make him win. And you have to actually get him to the right. And then you have to elect people down the ballot where the primaries are not over. The primaries are just beginning. So here, here's the thing. Everyone is coming to me and saying, Daniel, I'm seeing a lot of this this online. What do you mean? Huh? Oh, so, so whenever I point out all the problems, they um say, one guy wrote to me, slowly read your own post and ask yourself, would a dem fix a single issue that you're talking about? So they, they always think that this is November 5th. It's, no, it's October 30th, early voting, and I'm in the ballot box and I have Trump and I have Biden. Well, Daniel, whatever you say about him, hey, Biden's not going to fix it. What? You're going to vote for Biden? Huh? Huh? It's like. You you're so stupid. We have nine and a half months. Every day that we operate in this arena is a vote and actually more powerful than a vote. It, it, they're making it like they're, they're now truncating the period of time between elections. It's not even it's not even a few weeks anymore. Look, it used to be when we would have a stupid Republican, whether it was Romney or whatever. It's October, a couple weeks before the election. So yeah, maybe I'd pull some punches. He would he would say something stupid that's liberal. I was like, look, let's just get him elected and then browbeat him on the other side of it. Okay, fine, I understand it. But when a guy is moving to the left and subverting your ability to change the party down ballot, You got to have a course correction. You can't have the October dynamic in January where, shh, 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 I can't criticize, I can't say anything, I can't say anything. We can't do that. So to answer your question, those of you are like, well, Daniel, huh, huh, the ballot box, ballot box, who are you going to vote for? You vote for Biden? That's a false choice because that's not in front of me right now. The choice in front of me is, am I going to operate in all of the red states and elect good people in primaries for governor, Senate, congressman, and state legislature? Obviously, local officials as well. That's choice number one. Well, Daniel, what does that have to do with Trump? Well, it has a lot to do with him when he continues to endorse against our people and endorse bad people and elevate to, p- to prominence bad people in the party. That's got to change. Okay? So that is something we can do right now. We could raise questions about our ability to win right now. We need to get an answer to that. And yes, we have to move him to the right. This is what I don't understand. It's like, they're basically saying, shut up, I don't want to hear about COVID. I don't want to hear. See no evil, hear no evil. Um, I just don't want to hear what you're saying, Daniel. And the problem with that is that we don't have to make that choice yet. Or even if you have in your mind you're going to make it, but it's not in front of you. It's not for a long time. The choice now is not whether to vote for Biden or vote for Trump. We have plenty of time for that. <clears throat> the choice now is whether you will have a liberal Trump Or a more right-leaning Trump. And that is your ability to influence him right now. So that when you get to that ballot box, it won't be as crappy of a choice. And if you don't do that, that tells me that on the other side of that election, if you were to win somehow, you wouldn't do it then either. Because they didn't do it during his first term. There are two clips I want to play. Two clips I want to play from Trump that underscore this exact point that the primaries are not over. And what I mean by primaries is focusing internally. Primaries are never over. You know why primaries are never over? Because every day of the year, including during a general election, we should always be working on recruitment of conservative candidates for the next election, next primary, we should always be working on elevating the stature of the good guys and diminishing the stature of the bad guys. And that means stopping this false conservative narrative of elevating bad guys as heroes who screw us, but they have some stupid superficial moment or just say, I love Trump, but I love the Chamber of Commerce too. And it means engaging on the issues. A primary is, see, I can't influence Hunter Biden or Biden. But what we can do is say, Trump, you got to get better on COVID. And here is what is indefensible. This should be the biggest news in conservative media, but I'm sure no one's ever heard of it. So again, do you think everyone's like, Daniel, we don't want Nikki Haley. We got Maga, the grasser, she got Beaten like a rented mule and wait till South Carolina. She's going to lose her own state, you know, more than two to one. And she will. Do you think any of those voters are voting for lockdowns and COVID fascism and the vaccines? Do you think they want that? Or do you think they want a reckoning? Okay. Don't throw throw that on me. I want I want you to hear hear a clip thirty five seconds. Trump had an interview with Martha McCallum in New Hampshire. I believe this was Sunday. I might be a day off, but the point is, it's now. This is not from three months ago, and it's certainly not from three years ago. This is from this week. Take a listen to Trump right here.
0: I think we did a fantastic job on COVID. Uh, Nobody knew. You know, I've been given tremendous credit for the economy, for the military, for foreign policy. The one thing I've never been given credit for was the job we did in COVID. We did a fantastic job with all of the uh, all of the medicines. And all, if you look at Regeneron, all of the things that we did, we did a fantastic job, have never been given the credit for that. And basically, I allowed the governors to do their states and people like Henry McMaster, who was here yesterday, who, by the way, endorsed me. You know, he's the governor of South Carolina. Almost every politician in South Carolina endorsed me, which is a little bit tough for Nikki.
1: But- okay, folks. Did you hear that? I, the, I, I can't even count the amount of lies in 35 seconds. I don't get enough credit for COVID. I did a fantastic job. All those medicines. I allowed the governors to do what they want. Henry McMaster was amazing. All the politicians endorsed me. I mean, first, he sounds retarded. But that clip tells me that one of two things are true And that should disturb all of you. Either all these MAGA people that claim to hate the vaccines, either they are not exerting their will on Trump, or they don't have the influence that they claim to have. So either they're not having the conversation with him, or they have no influence over him. And that means that darker forces, including himself, will always overpower the Steve Bannon sort of guys. I mean, this is what I don't understand. Steve Bannon is, he has done phenomenal work with Naomi Wolf on COVID he's had me on before. But he's promoting Trump like there's no tomorrow, and he is savaging DeSantis even after he dropped out. He's all over him, trying to destroy him. Okay, fine. How, it? it So, if Steve Bannon has that degree of influence over Trump, isn't it a self indictment that Trump, this late in the game, even now, could still be saying things like that? And and this is not just, okay, he doesn't want to talk about it, but when he's pressed on it, his ego won't let him say he made a mistake. He's like, no, I did a good job. He brings it up unsolicited. He's like, I don't get enough credit for it. How in the world? Could we go on like that? I'm supposed to I'm supposed to remain quiet? This is not October 30th, October 25th, this is January. I'm supposed to simply remain quiet and not say anything about that? Let's count up all the lies. He did a fantastic job on COVID. Okay, so he has no regrets. He doesn't get enough credit. Great drugs. <laughs> Great drugs. What, Paxlovid? Remdesivir? Allowed governors to do what they wanted. That's a demonstrably false lie. He tweeted, don't think the governors could do what they want. It's all on me. He called them up and browbeat them into into lockdowns. His staff called them up. And then he says, and then this is another part. Again, in 35 seconds, he embodies the problem. Henry McMaster. So then he starts, okay, there's one thing if there's a Trump exemption. So, in other words, I said this many times, I could swallow a pill that Trump's really a leftist, but he's perceived as a right winger, and there's this movement around him that's promoting him, but promoting other candidates that are for real. But what's happening now is, more than ever before, Trump is elevating the worst human beings. Henry McMaster was also great on COVID? Henry McMaster was horrible! You know, his health director to this day shows up to committee hearings in the legislature wearing a mask. Oh, I got all the endorsements in South Carolina. That was actually a lie. Before DeSantis dropped out, uh, more of the conservatives in the legislature endorsed DeSantis. Clearly, Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk have either not spoken to him, or if they did, they clearly have no influence over him. That is a problem. That is a problem. This is this is my question to my colleagues. Is there nothing he can do policy-wise, electoral viability-wise, or personnel choice-wise, and we're going to get to that, the people he elevates as potential cabinet members and VP uh, selections and endorsements down the ballot, that will elicit even a minor rebuke? You see what I'm saying? You can vote for him, vote early, vote often, organize for him, ballot harvest for him. But that shouldn't preclude, A, pushing him to the right, B, getting getting focused on the primaries, C, having him read the Riot Act, endorsing bad people down ballot, stop elevating these people to positions of prominence, and, you know and then also engage on the issues. But all my colleagues are going to do for the next nine and a half months is just the tit for tat with Biden-Trump. Biden-Trump, no Congress, no legislative session, no issues, no moving Trump to the right, no ensuring he runs a proper campaign and could actually win. I mean, that's the most ironic thing of all, or like the most important thing is for him to win, but they're ensuring that he's set up for failure. You see what I'm saying? The next time someone tells you it's a binary choice, that's not true. And I'm going to give you a bunch of examples of this, why the primaries aren't over. Primaries means looking within, examining our own deeds, our own focus, our own sphere of influence. That's where the focus should always be, primarily. Even in a general election. And this is not really a general election yet, even even though he's clearly going to win. But we got plenty of time. That's the reality. So let's go through some of these problems. I want to reiterate something I, I said earlier this week, because it is a very important point that nobody else is bothering to make. This is very different than 2016. In 2016, it was an unprecedented election where Trump got elected as the Republican nominee against Hillary without almost any party support um, literally almost nobody supported him the senators the governors the RNC you know even even in a general election and in fact once the comments came out when he talked about you know what to do to women a lot of them took the unprecedented step of unendorsing him in the in the general or a lot of these sitting senators. So g- genuinely, when Trump surprisingly won, he had the opportunity of a lifetime to genuinely drain the swamp because he owed them nothing, had no allegiance, and it was just kind of like the Steve Bannon types that got him elected. But then he got in there, brought in Ryan's Priebus, brought in every globalist like there's no tomorrow, and then... Ken, Steve Bannon, after seven months and saying you actually had nothing to do with electing me, humiliated him. So that's what he did, even when he had nobody. Now, almost every establishment person is endorsing him really enthusiastically and assuaging his ego, playing to that game. And Trump is loving it. Who do you think he's going to pick this time in his cabinet? Which leads me to my next clip. I want to play this clip. He was up there at his victory speech in New Hampshire with Tim Scott on stage. Take a listen to what he had to say about Tim Scott. Did you ever think that
0: she actually appointed you, Tim? (laughs) And think of it, appointed and you're the senator of his state and she endorsed me. You must really hate her. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's a shame. It's uh, a shame. Oh,
1: <laughs> I just love you. No, that's that's why he's a great politician. OK, folks, so you really have to see the video to see the body language. But, you know, Trump's praising Tim Scott. Yeah. You know, you endorsed me over Nikki, the person that that appointed you to the Senate seat and you must really hate her and then what well, you don't you have to see the video tim scott was standing in back of him he loops around cuz trump's face was turned to the other side and he comes and it almost looks like he's kissing him i mean he gets right in his face i love you mr trump and then trump says you're an amazing politician that my friends that clip is the embodiment of what is happening and it should disturb everyone i don't care again the primaries that the presidential primary is over with. So yeah Trump got it. fine. but shouldn't we all agree that this is a problem that Trump has created a dynamic He's created an incentive system where you are not elevated based on how much you fight the vaccines and the open borders and Ukraine funding but based on how much you make America gay again and almost literally kiss him on the lips there. So they do it to him and he responds in kind. And he had Doug Burgum there. Who do you think he's going to bring in his cabinet? Lindsey Graham, Doug Burgum, Henry McMaster, Tim Scott. People who are the antithetical to what his supporters are voting for. Is this not legitimate what I'm bringing out? Shut up, Daniel. So what? Huh, you want Biden? What? What the hell does that have to do with anything? That's a personal choice that a Ballot box in nine and a half months from now. Now we have to make sure that he doesn't go off the rails. Shh, shh, shh. Okay, fine. You don't want anyone to hear? I love it. It's like he could turn off 40% of the GOP base, all the indies. Democrats will turn out. Gangbusters turn out against him. You'll get crushed. But somehow it's a few conservatives trying to move him to the right that's going to down his – um prospects. And by the way, if you look at what happened last night in New Hampshire, like I told you, you could agree or disagree, I'm just giving horse race analysis, reality. DeSantis voters who are very conservative, they will vote for him in the general election. That is not so 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 it's very clear his weakness is among the marginal voters you need to win any general election. Um the, the base, you know, most of the base is, you know, supports Trump, but the few kind of the sliver that is Very conservative, hardcore, but sees through him, like listeners of this show, push comes to shove, they'll vote for him. That's not the issue. But at least privately. But what if you look at everything this man has done, what he's done on abortion, what he's done on Disney, what he's said about Bud Light and the Bruce Jenner stuff, and then the constantly having these leftist globalists around him every day, and then the COVID stuff to this day. It is self-evident that they either are not having this conversation with him privately, or if they do, they don't have any influence over him. And that is a huge red flag that cuts to the lie of their entire movement. And that's just the way it is. I mean, Trump just tweeted out, I don't know if you guys saw, Trump just tweeted out, Mike Johnson is strong on the border. Randomly. It was like out of nowhere. Why do you think he's doing that? Because the base is very, you know, upset with him. And we're maybe starting to organize against him. Now he has the the red blood. He's got the red hat, the red blood on his doorpost. Do you see what I'm saying? He is not only sucking out the oxygen so we don't focus on the down the ballot. He is helping at every last thing. Kevin McCarthy, Rona McDaniel, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan. You know, Roger Wicker, all these guys, at every turn, Mike DeWine, Kay Ivey, Greg Abbott, Doug Burgum. At every juncture we have to get rid of someone, he comes in and saves them. Do you not understand the threat we're under now, and it's worse than it's ever been the last eight years, where the establishment, especially if you're a red state rhino, Trump's always going to be popular in your state. All you got to do is kiss the ring. Does nobody see this problem? There is no evidence that there is anyone around him that has the ability to stop his slide to the left on the issues and his um embrace of these guys. And by the way, Doug Burgum, and I, I, I want to get to North Dakota, Doug Burgum is literally Bill Gates' best friend. Doug Burgum is independently wealthy, but he has ties to all of Bill Gates' money. When you bring in Doug Burgum, from what I'm hearing, I I said energy secretary, he'll probably appoint him interior secretary. And and I think he would have had he won in 2020. um, And so if he would win, it would be interior secretary. Doug Burgum is a global warming, Bill Gates land grabbing guy, and he would be made interior secretary. That will give Bill Gates straight access to Trump. But then again, Bill Gates seemed to have had that access and had a pretty good relationship with him in his first term. See, all of this stuff is not being told to you. This is not a matter of relitigating the primary. This is a matter of right now we have nine and a half months could we at least get a movement together and say, hey, Trump, here's what we expect from you? Is it all about what you can do for the man and not what the man could do for you? Where is the populism in that? I just don't understand it for the life of me. But I want to get to North Dakota. Speaking of Doug Burgum, this is a case study of what we're up against. This is a case study of Everything I've ever taught you guys, right in this governor's race. The apathy, the retardation, the incompetence of the right, the lack of organization, the lack of focus. And how Trump is actually harming, not helping. Okay? So, I'm just going to give you to the bet, because I've spent... Hours on this, just so you know, for all those who are like, Daniel, this is what you have to do, and all you do is complain. I I am working to help recruit candidates. I am having very, you know, emotional discussions with husbands and wives of potential candidates, whether, you know, they're willing to take the plunge. We have a situation where not only have we failed to beat rhino incumbents, no matter how many issues, fundamental issues they screw us on. But even as it relates to open seats, by and large, guys that are at least as bad, if not worse than the Republicans of 10 years ago, are winning the governorships, senators, congressmen and legislative seats down the ballot in the reddest states in the union and that is still happening and we are on the cusp of a primary season where right now it's almost too late in a lot of places to even recruit but you got to find the ones that are ready filed to run and support them and or, or frantically try to recruit in the final weeks depending on the state and how late you know some are in march but maybe some are in june july so you have a little bit more time but most are before june now is the time to go through your state audit your state And in in addition to focusing on the legislative sessions, what are the primaries that you can get involved in? Go down the list of who has filed. Almost every incumbent is bad. If you don't know them to be like a Chip Roy, they're bad to varying degrees, usually really bad degrees. By the way, just a plug here, we do have a new leader to create a team in Wisconsin. It's not a trifecta state because it's a dem governor, but they have strong majorities in 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 the legislature there. Um, So we do have a Wisconsin ConAction team. Go to conaction.network, tell us about yourself, fill out the form, and you'll be contacted by the team leader to try to organize that group. But this is what we need to do. But anyway, do you understand that 14 years after the Tea Party, 15 years after the Tea Party, almost 15, and eight years into MAGA, we have the reddest parts of the country where we have open, big open positions, and we don't even have a man on the field who's a conservative of any sort, whether a Reagan conservative, a DeSantis conservative, a Trump populist, or a perceived Trump populist, or a Bannon populist, we don't have any of that. We have the pure, you know, what what, what everyone on the right would call rhino, globalist, Ukraine, pro-criminal, pro-open borders, big industry, big pharma guy. Everyone running is that person. Could you imagine if you had an open attorney general seat or governor seat or senate seat in California or Massachusetts and you didn't have a single liberal democrat to even recruit? That's how broken we are. That's how broken we've been for eight years. We've gone backwards. During the Tea Party, we at least would have had someone. Maybe it wouldn't be the best recruit. So North Dakota. I've been I've been very busy with this this week. So Doug Burgum announced he is not going to run for governor. And I think his calculus cuz he stupidly thinks Trump's going to win and he wants to serve in his cabinet and then bring in the Bill Gates money to the Trump administration. All right, but there's a silver lining because guess what? We kicked out a big um, you know, Agenda 2030 uh, W.E.F. guy, not kicked out, but he's uh, uh, not running for re-election. And finally, after eight years of this hell, and you know who we had before that? John Hoven, the, one of the most liberal Republican senators, he now moved to the Senate. This is a tor- type of garbage we have from North Dakota. One winner after another. So, oh my gosh, this is an amazing opportunity. This is governor of a small red state, rural red state, energy rich, you know, this is the type of thing that you're going to need interposition against Biden. Because because remember, anyone with a half a brain has to understand, even if you love Trump and you don't agree or understand or want to hear any of what I'm saying, there are certain facts that you have to agree with me if you share our values. Number one, there's going to be no COVID reckoning. Number two, there certainly isn't more than a 50% chance Trump could pull this out. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And three, um, that that means the Dems are going to have another four years. So what that means is that red states are our only refuge to try to counter this. right? And we all agree Congress is broken. You're not going to fix that. And we all – so what I'm trying to tell you is number four, we should all agree that we are not fixing this down ballot and we got to get focused on that and this is what i find so indefensible where trump is like the worst of all worlds he's a covid vaccine he's negative efficacy for what he's supposed to do and you get all the side effects because he is so polarizing because of his personality in our ability to win an actual election so here's the deal fine okay Daniel, they'll cheat anyway, black pill, black pill, black pill, fine, we're not going to get there. Okay, but then run up to score in the red states where we're not going to lose. But not only aren't we doing that, we're allowing Trump to have the establishment kiss up to him, then he kisses up to them, and now we have a problem. So here's the state of play. You would think you have a state like North Dakota. You should have a cadre of conservatives running. Governor's the most important seat. We can get another DeSantis in. That should be the goal. If you think DeSantis is not good enough, even better. Get someone better than him. Awesome. Okay. There's no traditional conservative. There is no um, even like MAGA populist running. Right now, you have this guy Campbell, a former state senator who sold his land to Bill Gates, literally running and the main candidate who announced yesterday is kelly armstrong and no kelly is not a female name in this case he's a male and this is where things get dicey again i want you to think everyone's laughing ha 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 even in new hampshire with bringing out democrat voters nikki haley couldn't win Kelly Armstrong in the state of North Dakota, if we don't stop him and recruit and get focused, he will walk into the governorship, or someone similar to him, but more likely him, who is to the left of Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is an establishment person. Uh, um, Armstrong is to the left of the establishment. So Armstrong is... The thing about him is he is one of the uh, board leaders of what's called the Tuesday group. The Tuesday group is the rhino version of the Freedom Caucus. So you have the leadership guys, and then you have to the left of them the Tuesday group. And then you have to the right of them the Freedom Caucus. Kelly Armstrong is one of the leaders of the Tuesday group. He is one of the leaders of this conservative solutions for climate change caucus that they created. He might even be the, the chairman of it. Big global warming guy. He is, again, full spectrum leftist, open borders, big sponsors of all these like visa increase bills. And he's a trial lawyer, a defense attorney who is passionately pro-criminal, who is introducing bills on, at the Senate, at the House Judiciary Committee co-sponsor with Hakim Jeffries all these jailbreak bills that that's just kind of the surface big big liberal a guy like that shouldn't be able to win the Republican nomination in Vermont but people like that continue again I I could take solace in the fact all right it's too hard to knock out an incumbent so we have a lot of old, bad blood, but the party's changing, and any new seat that opens up will go to a grassroots guy. No. People like like Kelly Armstrong are, are winning everywhere, and he will if there is no intervention. But what does he do? What does he do? The first thing he made sure to say when he was running for office, the first thing is the blood on the doorpost. And he starts bragging about how um, he helped defend Trump twice against impeachment. They know how to pick our lock. And mind you, Kelly Armstrong is the epitome of a member that privately would hate Trump. Remember, he's a Tuesday group, a rhino caucus leader. But he's kissing up to him. Now, here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is... The good news is that there is no runoff scenario in North Dakota, okay? So basically in North Dakota, um, whoever wins, a plurality wins. So you could win with theoretically 15% of the vote if you have a ton of candidates. So the thing with that is because there's no runoff, if a bunch of establishment candidate right now we have zero conservatives in the race, or that are, I'm hearing, are seriously considering it. Although I've been working to try to recruit. Now there is this guy, I want to say Rick Becker, who is probably the leader of the it wasn't, it was called the Bastiat Caucus. It wasn't the Freedom Caucus. He was the leader that created conservatism kind of in the ranks of the legislature. He was in the state legislature. Um he originally to his credit challenged uh, Kelly Armstrong for his house seat. And, you know, so he, that was, I was going to actually bring him on. So now hopefully he'll walk into that. But again, I'd rather him for governor, you know, house seat doesn't do us much. I give him credit for doing it. So we might, we might pick up, I don't, I don't know who the establishment is going to feel that they're going to try to, you know, make a big play for it or he'll walk into it, you know, by default, I have a hard time imagining they'll, they'll they'll let a guy like that, you know, off easy. But that's something to watch. It's just a house seat. Uh, Rick Becker is running. He actually challenged Hoven as an independent. He ran as an independent because he couldn't stand Hoven, the Rhino running for Senate, big amnesty guy, big full spectrum leftist. So we're stuck without someone for governor. But the good news is, if you ha- there's a bunch of establishment candidates looking at this um or establishments a loaded term or uh, uh, you know just liberal republicans so this other one is Tammy Miller who was recently appointed a uh, lieutenant governor cuz it was a vacancy um, lieutenant governor uh, by Doug Burgum so you kind of have two bad liberals you have Kelly Armstrong and you have Tammy Miller who's lieutenant governor and likely, I would imagine, from what I hear, she would get the support of Doug Burgum and all his Bill Gates money. So that would be a good scenario to have two relatively strong, well-funded bad guys run. And then if you just and then maybe a few more, too, All if you got one conservative, you could win the governorship without a runoff and with, you know, only token opposition in the general from some Democrat that's not going to go anywhere. This is such an opportunity. Why am I the only national figure talking with people on the ground there trying to make this work? I was floored, I couldn't believe it, that as of now there still is no candidate to run for our side. We're seeding this over. We we don't pay attention. This is what it means to have an industry but not a movement. An industry just focuses on the razzle-dazzle. Get my ratings, my show. I make no money off of that. It does nothing for me. I don't get paid to do that. That's all charitable work what I'm doing. I don't have like a pack or a you know a consulting firm that I help conservatives and they pay me or something. I have nothing. You know, it's 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 Blaze Media. So I I don't get paid to do grassroots work on the ground. But I believe in what I'm saying, so how could I just sit by? So, there's a huge opportunity. Now, you might say, you said this has something to do with Trump. Well, here's how it has something to do with Trump Trump has loomed so large with his bad endorsements. See, we have a whole litany of conservative candidates who ran against rhinos and Trump endorsed rhinos. But that litany would be even greater, except you don't even see it because they never run. You see, because they know that he will endorse, they don't run. So we're sitting, can you imagine how tragic this is? I hear all my colleagues, this is MAGA nirvana. Nikki Haley is over with. The establishment is over with. The pro-Ukraine, pro-global warming, pro-WEF, pro-open borders and big high-skilled visas. That stuff is over. The corporate GOP is over. (laughs) So I'm sitting and listening to this while... We have the red estates exclusively run by corporatists and they still have new candidates that are monopolizing and they have all the money. And we try to beg conservatives to run and then we have to sit and consider the following. Damn, what is Trump going to do in this race? We have to consider that. Think about how tragic that is. Kelly Armstrong is making a play for it. But on the other hand, if Tammy Miller gets in, Doug Burgum she's She's basically a proxy for Burgum. She was handpicked by Burgum. Burgum is now so close with Trump you have to I see let let's say I'm trying to convince someone to run. I have to be honest to the to the person. I can't say, oh, you're gonna win. I have to really say, look, I know you're the best guy. You'd be better ideologically, but realistically, is it worth it for your wife and your kids and and your reputation and sometimes your job? to to run if you don't think you could win. And I'd love to think that in a deep red state we'd win primaries, but we don't, even open ones. But I do have to be honest with the guy and say, um, I don't know. I mean, we have to kind of listen behind the grapevine what the intel is, but if we think Trump's going to come in and endorse someone like Tammy Tammy Miller, and she hasn't officially gotten in the race yet, I don't think you could win. And that's the tragedy. Do you understand the tragedy of making a movement all about one person and saying the primary is over? But even if it's over that he's the GOP presidential nominee, get him to stop endorsing rhinos, stop bringing in these horrible people, stop moving to the left, and you yourself focus on the legislative sessions, focus on at least congressional budget fights, focus on building primary challengers, focus on on supporting them, why am I a one-man movement doing this? Shouldn't we all agree? And 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 here is another thing. I have two more things I want to say. Here's another thing that is really indefensible. You can't have it both ways. So what I basically hear, so so you understand nothing is ever Trump's fault. Nothing is ever his trial fault even when he does it. Even when he picks a bed, cabinet member, endorsement, policy, it really wasn't him. Okay, fine. I'll indulge that. So what's the, the only argument against what I'm saying about Trump is <clears throat> the following. It's really not Trump. It's the stupid GOP establishment that ruined his presidency. It's Paul Ryan. It's the Congress. It's the RINOs. So all the more indefensible is it for you guys to completely tune out these primaries and not try to pressure Trump to stop interfering and 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 better yet he should endorse the good guys but at least stay out of it because how do you expect trump to have a more uh successful second term again trump is perfect trump himself is perfect okay fine but you all admit that you had these cabinet problem you know members that were a problem you know people like that and, and, you know, of course, they were immaculately conceived. They just kind of, like, got in the cabinet. They weren't appointed by anyone. It just, just you know, Paul Ryan did it. You know, Paul Ryan got them in. Or, you know, someone just quietly got them in. So they are immaculately conceived. The policies were immaculately conceived. The cabinet officials, uh, Mike Pence, all these guys. Okay. But all the more so, don't we need to work, rather than just focusing on but the Dems, it should be Trump Get off the Doug Burgum, Lindsey Graham, Tim Scott sort of cabinet officials. Get off endorsing rhinos so you could have a better Congress, better governors, and better uh, a, a batch, a bullpen for cabinet picks. Is that too much to ask? I, I don't understand. You, you you see what I'm saying? This show speaks above the rancor of this false choice. Either vote for Trump or not or let the Democrat win. You're letting the Democrat win. In terms of policy and personnel. And then. Then. There's the electoral viability. The other aspect of this. You live by the polls. You die by the polls. We we saw it in New Hampshire last night. There's a real vulnerability. With. Swing voters. And. There's a Susquehanna poll in Pennsylvania, and you're going to see a lot more of this. Susquehanna is, you know, each state has certain pollsters that are kind of have a monopoly on that state. Susquehanna is the one for Pennsylvania. If you look back to recent presidential and Senate elections, they're, they've usually been within two points of the, of the result. They have Biden up eight points in Pennsylvania they have biden up 23 points among independents they have 11% of republicans voting against trump that's fatal because only 5% of dems are voting against biden right that's the kind of the typical amount that you lose within your party 11 is fatal but 23 among indies and by the way mccormick the senate republican candidate is is um is down 3.8 which makes sense he'd also he's also going to lose but he's less polarizing um he's kind of just just a generic republican good you know good image military guy total total establishment um look proverbs 16:18 pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall they're all getting drunk on 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 misreading the primary the primary is it's not an enigma why trump is doing this well Trump is an incumbent and in many respects a super duper incumbent because we've never had a guy who's essentially on his third term. What I mean is in modern history, like you know, Grover Cleveland was the last guy to, you know, win, lose, and then win again. Um, in the modern era, we never had a guy, you know, was president, but he's not currently an incumbent. 60% of Republican voters believe that the that the election was stolen. Okay? So not only do, is he an incumbent, but they believe he was robbed of it, which, by the way, makes the primary very understandable now. A lot of people said, and DeSantis himself said, in, in Iowa, you even had people come over and admit, yeah, you know, DeSantis would be a better, a better president than Trump, yet they voted for Trump. And while that sounds crazy, the bottom line is, when was the last time, you know, during George W. Bush, okay, in 2004. You could have found better Republicans, but would someone vote to turn them out? No, you you stick with the guy. How much more so here, where he has so much more adoration and, and his image and his charisma and the way he talks to people's hearts, but then also you feel it was stolen from him. So... It's understandable why he you you have you have a group of of 50 to 60 percent of Republicans that are extremely passionate. They'll they'll walk over glass, they'll have high turnout in a general election, but everyone else is a problem. How are you gonna win a general election? No one has answered that. They're like, oh, he's he's racking up record number of votes. Of course. Because it's the only incumbent primary that's somewhat competitive. Not really, it's never been competitive, but there's a prime. Normally when you have an incumbent uh, president, there is essentially no primary. Here, de facto, the voters are not treating it like one, but because Nikki Haley spent millions and you had DeSantis in there, spent some money, so you you had a little bit of a a turnout. So, of course, he's getting a lot of support. That does not answer any of the problems of the general election. And you're going to see a lot more of that. And if you're losing in those dems demographics in Pennsylvania, if you're losing Pennsylvania by eight, I'm sorry, but you're not up in, in any of the states. You're definitely not up. Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. You're just not. Nobody has explained that. So that's the problem. Have these people saying, don't criticize the voters, Daniel. Don't talk down to them. That is their choice. But, okay, but then don't lie to me that this is somehow some sort of populist reawakening and renaissance when down the ballot, every person that is antithetical to that populist image you want to present is winning without sweating. That means that you have a movement around one person. One person. And again, all the more so if you're going to risk getting crushed and shut out of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, so many of these states. So in states like North Dakota, you have an obligation to fortify it. Where no matter what, you're going to win the general election. Make sure you win it with the right Republicans. Email me, Horowitz at starmail.com. Where am I wrong? Where do you disagree? This is the message I appeal to these people. If we all agree, yeah, we want Trump to beat Biden, we're sick of Nikki Haley's establishment, so let's actually make it happen. And in that respect, let's not immediately just delve into bootlicking Trump to the point that we don't move him to the right and just focusing on the Democrats. Let's focus down ballot, and that's going to require reading Trump the riot act on the endorsements. That's the thing. Don't get in my lane. You want to win the general election? God bless you. Go win. I don't want Biden either. But don't nuke your very supporters so you don't have reinforcements. If there is one lesson that all Trump people could agree with, it's that we couldn't convert enough on Trump's presidency because we didn't change the Republican Party enough. Now, I have my own views on that that are pretty obvious why that is true. But even if you can't bring yourself to accept any degree of shortcoming in the Lord Savior, but you at least need to recognize that, yeah, we need— We need people that will help Mr. Trump and not, you know, harm Mr. Trump, right? But what is Mr. Trump? Is that the perceived, and I'm just, again, I don't consider myself one, but I'm facetiously using their term that they like, populist agenda? Or is it literally just about his personality? So rather than it being the people we, whether you're loved or hated, within the GOP and the conservative movement, determines on how much you oppose the vaccines and the Ukraine grift and you know the high-skilled visas and open borders and criminal stuff and global warming? Or is it all based on how much you embarrass yourself and suck up to the man? So that means if you could be the worst globalist, you're elevated. In other words, this problem of Trump's ego getting in the way of the agenda is worse now than it's ever been. His electoral viability is worse now than it's ever been. His endorsements and elevation of bad guys within the party is worse than it's ever been. And the censorship on the right and the almost viciousness against any, it's just all obeisance, all genuflecting. Again, even when he was president, it would resonate when we say, you know, people wouldn't really want to go do it themselves, but they'd appreciate. Yeah. He's got to get better. He's got these bad cabinet picks. Come on, Trump, get better. Now it's like nothing he does. Well, I mean, but look, here's the deal. I have a lot of people calling me, Daniel, I'm so upset. I have a friend that's into medical freedom and he wants to vote for RFK. It's a wasted vote. I'm saying, look, even if you believe that, whose fault is that? It's, It's not their fault. Like, shut up. You need to be supporting it. It is his job and the job of those who claim to have influence with him to get him better, to inspire people. Again, you and I both know, regardless of his rhetoric, he will be horrendous on this issue. And we've chronicled that. The reason he, he he's he loves the corporatists. He loves Big Pharma. He loves J and J. He loves Bill Gates, and he does. We have the receipts on that. Bill Gates brags about how Trump was going to appoint him to the National Science Foundation, and also um, uh, how he talked Trump down from a vaccine commission. So we all we all know that we all know that he loves these people, but but ironically all he had to do is just say look you know i wanted to end the pandemic we wanted to save lives um, we wanted to get it out as soon as possible deregulation i never could have imagined that pharma and the fda was so broken that they would take a product they know killed people and do this it's a problem we're going we're going we're going to get rid of liability we're going to do all it's all he has to say he would never do it But if he would say that, he would staunch all that bleeding to RFK. So look in the damn mirror. If you're worried about Trump's electoral viability, that is your problem because all you want to talk about is but the Dems. And it's always a general election and it's never a primary. A primary means you focus within on your own sphere of influence. Try it sometime. Maybe, just maybe you'll see results assuming you actually want results till tomorrow god bless y'all and thank you for listening